Well, greetings in the Master's name. What is this? Now, there's a lot of answers, and so uh, I just want to know what comes to your mind when I ask that question. What is this? God's Word. God's Word, okay. The Bible? Inspired Word of God. Pardon? Who said that? Oh, okay. That's, uh, so there's many answers, but that, that's what I, uh, that's what I was thinking about. Truth. Truth. And uh, oh, I forgot to bring my checkbook. I was going to bring my checkbook because um, right above where you sign your name, I have, I've had for years, I've had this little line, um, thy word is truth. John 17, 17. And I forget why it ended up that way, how many characters you could have or something. I don't have any colon between the 17, so it's John 1717. But anyway, uh, you can put an extra little line on your check for, I think, maybe uh, gratis. But <clears throat> that that's stood out to me in life, uh, that we have truth. By the, we have truth. Um and like I say, it's John 17, 17, that phrase, thy word is truth. And I don't know if any of y'all remember, maybe none of you, well, Myrna would remember, but it used to be behind, I don't know if it's still there or not, in a, in a layman auditorium there at EMU. That was uh, like, it was on the wall behind the, uh, the, the nave or whatever, thy word is truth. And uh, so, you know, to have truth, to have absolute truth is what that means in life. And I know I was impressed with that when I was going to school. Um, and all the ideas of men and all the things you study and how they change. And there's nothing absolute. But we have absolute truth here. I, uh, some while, a little while back, Glennon Asherman called me and said, I wonder if I would come to Georgia for a fifth Sunday evening service. They like to have speakers in. Well, they must reach out pretty far or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> so the fifth Sundays this year, <clears throat> I said, well, I know March doesn't suit me and June doesn't suit me, so I'm supposed to go down September the 30th. And uh, my topic is tips for teachers. And uh, I thought, I'll try to commit to that because that might get me down to see my sister. I've been wanting to go down there for years. So uh, at Hepzibah. But that made me think also, 50 years ago, I had a similar assignment at the Pike. I was in school, and and uh, I know one of the superintendents, I think, wanted me to talk to the Pike teachers about teaching, because that was what my <clears throat> studies were. You know, I was trained to be a teacher. And that's one of the things I emphasized at that point. I remember just a few things that I said 50 years ago. I wonder if I'll be able to find my notes. But anyway, that was one of the things I, I emphasized to them, how how marvelous it was that they could stand in front of a class with truth and give truth to people. Like I say, what you learn in school, well, I mean, two plus two is four, yeah. But the idea, okay, so we study sociology. That's man, how, man, how people relate to each other. You study psychology, uh, the suchi, maybe that has to do with the soul. Uh, you know, man's self-awareness created in the image of God. He's got consciousness. He's, he's self-aware. 
and all the implications there. And so people have their ideas, and of course those ideas really change fast in that field. But but here it's absolute right here. It's it's the final, you know, the the, the final truth on these subjects. And and so it's just um, it's just that we get to handle truth is it's 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 astounding. Uh, the, the privilege of holding and handling and promoting and teaching truth. Well, I want to look at uh, different things in the scripture, what it says about itself. Uh, let's go to start with Second Samuel seven. Oh, and I thought uh, I had gotten this and left it in the car because I wasn't going to talk about these things this morning. But then I thought, yeah, I'm just going to mention this is an illustration called the hand illustration. And I don't know if David Miller probably did this for me once upon a time. But uh, the hand illustration, so about how we relate to the Holy Bible, God's Word. So hearing the Word, reading the Word, studying the Word, memorizing the Word, meditating on the Word. And, and so I thought, well, yeah, I, I am going to bring this. Uh, I have a ready priest of sermon on each one of these. But just mentioning, that's not what the sermon's on this morning, but I thought, if, we're, if we have truth, we have this, this unfathomable, absolute truth, the privilege of handling this. The prayer, God has spoken to us, the, 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 the creator, uh, the sovereign of the universe, and he's told us how things are. He's given us the absolute word, uh, explained to us how things are. And so we have this. And so what are we going to do with it? And so the first thing is hearing, and uh, and there's verses that talk about hearing the word, uh, and I think the hearing the word is in, more in the sense like when when you say to your children, I mean you can hear something, okay, but when you say to your children, did you hear me? Uh, that 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 carries some meaning to it, and that's the way you're supposed to hear the word, uh, and then read it, read it. And to study it, memorize it, and then meditation. People nowadays just don't know much about meditation. Our lives are just too full to have time to meditate. But we, so we have this word and, and this marvelous revelation from God that he's written to us. I mean, you, you stop and think about that, that, okay, uh, Darren was talking about the richest man that ever lived, that their king in... Uh, West Africa in the 1300s. Um, and we were talking about greatness in our lesson. But this sovereign ruler of the universe, you know, a lot of, a lot of religions and uh, or a lot of people's awareness that there is some higher power, you know. But to us, he's, he's actually written to us. He's actually written to us. He's written a letter to us. Can you imagine? I mean, if you'd get a letter from... Uh, one of the one of the rulers of one of the nations. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they still do or not. They used to send uh, the president used to send birthday cards to people after they got so old. Um, I don't know if that's still happening or not. But you know, I mean, that that's kind of. I guess you have your little birthday card from the president's office or whatever. It's kind of special. But that 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 the uh, the ruler creator. Sovereign of the universe has written to us. That's amazing. Really amazing. Okay. Uh, 2 Samuel 7. And this is um, 
where David uh, says he's going to build a house for God. And, um, and Nathan the prophet said, good idea, you know, go, go to it. And then that night, the Lord talks to Nathan and says, no, David's not going to build me a house. But he says, I'm going to build a house for David. He said, you go tell David, I'm going to build a house for him. But it's not like this temple that David had about, that David's idea about building for me. I'm going to build him a house. And it's a house more in the sense of like, um, like in English history, you talk about the house of Lancaster, or the house of Windsor. That's the rulers now in England, the house of Windsor. So it's this, 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 this dynasty, you know. And so uh, God, God says, I'm going to build a house for David. And it's, it's, this, it's this everlasting kingdom. You know, he says, what does it say in verse, um, see if I can find it. Um, yeah, verse 13. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And so so then Nathan went and told David this. And it says in verse 18, David went in, sat before the Lord, said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house? And, and he says in verse 19, this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And, and a man can't speak like that, David said. So he goes down through here and then he gets to verse 28. And that was the, the verse that uh, brought me to this chapter. And David says, and now, O Lord God, thou art that God and thy words be true. And thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. David said, thy words be true. Now, um, it's nice when people tell you the truth. Sometimes people tell you things and then you find out that maybe it wasn't quite. Just recently somebody told us about something that they had um, that they had made. And we thought, well, that's pretty marvelous that they could make that thing. And, and, uh, and then we saw the same thing someplace else and uh, made some comment about somebody making that. And they said, oh, you buy them at the store at so-and-so. And it just kind of made us wonder whether the person that said they made it actually made it or if they just bought it at the store. Uh, and so it's a, little, it's, kind of, it's a little bit let down. It's a little bit of a disappointment, you know. Uh, and then you wonder, can you trust what that person says? But anyway, we we really don't. Um, it's, it's kind of a letdown when we find out people didn't tell us the truth. But you know, sometimes we tell people things with all good intent, or people tell us things with all good intent. But it ends up that it wasn't accurate. I've told people stuff that wasn't accurate already. I mean, but I wasn't tell them anything wrong on purpose but I'm a human being and sometimes we tell people something and we have every good intention of it being that way and doing it but we end up not being able to carry it out but David said here about God he said thy words be true I mean what God had said uh, I mean David recognized in some small way this promise that God had given him about his kingdom extending forever and David said, it's not a man to speak that way, but you are God and your words be true and now just do what you said. And that, that's kind of nice too, to come to God and take his promises and say, well, now here's your promise. You know, I'm just going to rest in that and, and I'm going to depend on you to, 
to do what you said. So that's faith and just just resting in God. Let's turn to um, Psalm 119. Of course, we know that Psalm 119, the whole Psalm, all 100 and what is it, how many verses? 165, 176 verses are uh, are about the Word. But uh, Psalm, uh, verse 142, verse 142, Psalm 119 says, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Thy law is the truth. It's the truth. Uh, 151. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Everything that God says is truth. There's no false word here. There's nothing here that's going to let you down. There's nothing here that's not going to that God won't be able to follow through on. Go back to verse 104. It says, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. So that doesn't have the word truth in it, but has understanding. We get understanding from the Scripture. And now I'm going to go to the New Testament. I'm just picking out a few verses that have that idea of truth. Um, And, you know, what we do with God's Word and what got me to thinking about this, I, what, 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 what happens in a person's life that makes them think in a certain direction? And I, I'm not sure, but um, I know like, like where I live over there at VMRC, uh, of course, we live in Heritage Haven, which is where not the less accomplished people live, so to speak. But you have the village, you have Park Gables, you have Park Place and all that. There's a lot of people there that were raised and taught the same as I've been taught, was taught. But they've come out at a different place. A lot of intellectual people there. And, you know, it, it, uh, it, it makes a difference how you approach this word. Um. Now, there, 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 there's deep meaning in the Word. I mean, you can read the Word, and you can study it, and you'll always be getting more out of it. So, yes, digging into the Word has its place. But when you start um, approaching this, where man is going to, um, to uh, dissect and deconstruct and try to get at the meaning behind what's there... And in other words, man is imposing his reasoning and his thinking on what God said rather than letting God's word tell us. And, and so it, it's um, it's like Christopher, uh, when I took him to uh, the Tanzanian bishop, when I took him to Dulles the other week, uh, he finally finished both of his degrees. And... Uh, I was taking him to Dulles, he and his wife, to go back home to Tanzania. She came over here for his graduation. And we were talking a little bit, and I was telling him about uh, Philip uh, coming uh, to be the main pastor here because it's time for me to to uh, acknowledge my age. And, uh, and uh, he, you know, he's wondering how all this works and, and what kind of training we expect of our people and so on. And, 
And I said, well, you know, we don't really have any training qualifications for somebody in the ministry. Uh, we just ordained from the, from the group. And, you know, it's, uh, I'm not sure what I said, but, uh, and, uh, he's talking a little bit about seminary. And I said, well, actually, we think seminary is kind of dangerous. <laughs> and, uh, because, uh, uh, and, and he understood because he's a fairly conservative fella and he, you know, he's been through all that and how they approach the word and so on. And, and I'm not saying there's nothing to learn there. Uh, but, um, it, it, it becomes to me, it's, it's imposing man's reasoning. It's man telling God what he was trying to say instead of God, li- instead of man listening to what God has to say. And, uh, so, um, Okay, so Jesus said here in John 8, he said, um, Now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth. Jesus said, I've told you the truth. And actually, the truth didn't set too well with him. I suppose that's still true today. But then just before that, Jesus had told him, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. To have, to have the final word, to have an explanation of why life is the way it is. It, it's, yeah, to have the, the, um, yeah, a, a clear final word on everything about life. It's freeing. It's freeing to know, to know the truth. That frees a person. You should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, uh, some other things that uh, the Bible says, uh, tells us uh, in in describing itself, uh, the psalmist in Psalm 12, verse 6. This is speaking of some of the characteristics of of God's Word, and it's surpassing um, man's Word. Uh, Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. Pure words. They've been tested. Everything here has passed the test. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, and then verse eight, uh, chapter eight, 18, verse 30 has that same phrase, I believe. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. And then I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 128. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. I like the universal statements here. He esteems all God's precepts concerning all things to be right, and he hates every false way. Well, and uh, over to verse 144. The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. So God's word endures. It's everlasting. In, in verse 152, it says, Concerning thy testimonies I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. So in the Hebrew, the word Translated everlasting in 144 and the word translated forever in 152 is the same Hebrew word, just forever, throughout all ages. And uh, Jesus uh, 
said the same thing. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So here again, we have something that doesn't change. We have something that's going to last forever. So we have the, we have this guidance. We have this absolute word. And are we going to, are we going to order our life by this? Are we going to heed it? Are we going to pay attention to it? Are we going to treasure it? Are we going to take time to study it? Are we going to take time to find the answers to the questions in life? And we, we, we face, okay, there's, there's a lot of issues that come up in life. And how do we look at them? Well, okay, so right now, this week in the news, it was, uh, now, this is not a controversial issue for us. I could probably think of some things that might be controversial, but just for an example, uh, see, was it Alabama and Mississippi both passed uh, strict uh, anti-abortion laws, and we think, hey, that's great. Well, then, you know, the news talks about um, how it's so um, infringing on a woman's privileges or whatever to say that they can't have an abortion, you know. Um, and so, so you know, you have your pro-choice, you have your pro-choice side, you have your pro-life side, supposedly. And so, we we don't have to go by one or the other camp. You you look in here for answers to the issues of life and uh, the things we face in our own lives. We we look here for guidance. We look here for answers. You search it out. Because it's true, it's pure, it's perfect, and it'll last forever. It won't change. And see, I, I, I don't know how to emphasize it any more than what I'm trying to do here. That the the um, what what a privilege and how marvelous it is to have this word. And what do we do with it? See, that that's the question. What do we do with it? How much do we treasure? I mean, life is full. Life is busy. This life is hectic. Um, I don't know, maybe in the Middle Ages they said the, 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 um, the um, serfs and so on, the feudal system, you know, they spent 12 hours a day just trying to survive. Of course, they didn't have the written word back then, I mean, uh, the printing press and so on. Uh, but we, we have it. We have it readily accessible. I was going to say our lives are so full, we seem like we hardly have time for the word. And what I was thinking about back then, maybe their lives were full too in a different way. But we have actually, we have a lot more uh, leisure time than what people did in generations past. But there's so many more things to fill up that time. And so, are we going to are we going to really treasure this the way we should? Let's turn to First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one, verses twenty-two to twenty-five. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man is a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. 
And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So there's quoting from Isaiah, where Isaiah said that uh, the grass withers, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. That was Isaiah 40. But it says in verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. And I was thinking about that. Are we born again by the word of God? You know, Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, um, he must be born of water and the spirit. And so it's through the work of the Holy Spirit that we're born again. And so uh, I was thinking on that. And what does the scripture say? You know, the scripture is its own best commentary. In James chapter 1, it says, Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And then in Ephesians, Paul writing to the Ephesians said, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So there we have the word and we have the Holy Spirit both. And then in 2 Timothy, okay, 2 Timothy 3.15, that's a verse that we know. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. No, that's 16, actually. I want, I want 15 before that, and I'm not sure I can quote that one. Um, yeah, 2 Timothy 3.15, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And so he says, from a child you know in the scriptures which are able to make you wise into salvation. And he and it, when he started out this letter to Timothy, he said, I, I, I know about your faith. I'm thinking about your faith that was in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now is in you. And so they taught him from the word. From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. So the word reveals to us Jesus Christ. The word reveals to us the way of salvation. And so in that sense, we're saved by the by acknowledging the truth of the word, what the word brings to us. And there's there's something here too. I talked about how, how life is so busy. And I'm not sure how all you families function. Uh, when I was growing up, we didn't have family devotions. We just, that wasn't part of our home life growing up. But uh, I wanted to have family devotions for our family. And so, um, I don't know, well, Anna Mary and I had devotions together, and then and then James was born, and, well, how do they participate? How do, how do children participate in devotions? Well, you know, pretty soon you teach them songs, you teach them little songs and stuff, and so... So family devotions, when the children are young, you know, you're singing these simple songs. And, uh, and then once they got to school and learned, learned to read, by the time he was halfway through first grade, the learning to read, he could read his verse in the Bible. So when we do our daily readings, our Sunday school readings, well, then each of us would read a verse. And, uh, and then when Billy came to live with us, he eventually learned to decode, so to speak. He didn't really have a lot of comprehension, but he could read his verse too. And so we would do that. And then, and so eventually then we started singing. We sang through praises we sang. That's more elementary songs for children. 
And then I think the next one we did was Christian hymnal. We sang through the Christian hymnal. Now, I'm not a song leader, but you know, we managed an American sing. And, um, and then after the Christian hymnal, I think we did Zion's praises. And then after Zion's praises, I think we did the church hymnal. And then I think after that, we did the Christian hymnary. And by that time, James was out. He was going. He, he graduated from home. So we never did get through the Christian hymnary. Uh, but, uh, and, and when we started out, we, uh, before we, okay, yeah, I'm just, okay, it's just now coming back to mind. We, uh, when they were young, we did not do the, the daily readings, uh, with, with the small children. We did like probably it was Ken Taylor had a Bible story book or something. And so we did these little Bible stories, you know, they had the pictures and maybe a question or two and so on. Well, all I'm saying is that it says here from a child that's knowing the Holy Scriptures. So that is what makes a person wise into salvation. It doesn't save them, but it, it, it gives them the information. It exposes them. It, it, it's putting things into their mind. And there's, they get plenty of other things put into their mind these days. They need the Scriptures. And uh, so just encouragement there for that. And then it says in verse 16, what I had started to quote there, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And I forget which translation it is. I know it caused a real ruckus um, when it came out. There's, there's one translation that says all scripture that is inspired by God is profitable. And that's a little different rendering than all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God. It's not all scripture that is inspired. This all is inspired by God. And it's all profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And that's what we're saying. It's the truth. It, it, it gives us, it gives us the direction we need. And, uh, that, that's something I wanted to share on too. Um, but I don't think I'm gonna, I think I'll stop here at this point, uh, because, um, uh, instead of trying to cram too much in, but I want to want to look sometime. I don't know, don't know if it'd be the next sermon or what, uh, but sometime I want to look at. Well, I'd like to look at those things here too. And, you know, I'll just remind you, you know, God's word and how it's just it surpasses anything else we can read or study or think about. So let's spend time hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating on the word, um, and. Um, but um, the fact that it's inspired, we have this word from God. So I'll just close with this verse in John. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, Jesus said, they are spirit and they are life. And so it's the, uh, it's, it's the, words, it's the words of eternal life. But uh, like I said in the beginning, it's, it's absolute truth. Truth. We have something that is true that we can go by. Let's uh, kneel for prayer.